Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to NeuroDetergent. And this is Sarah, licensed clinical social worker. And this is Katie, licensed professional counselor. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. What are we forgetting? Um, um oh, fun. Fun. And laughs. And laughs. Along the way, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> A stubborn stain on your atypical brain. You need neurodetergents. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it clean with neurodetergents. You need neurodetergents. So you are listening to Neurodetergent. Here we are. This is episode 12. Hello. How's your week been, Katie? Oh, it's been been it's been busy we had a i'm tired we had a puppy party we had a puppy birthday party party for ollie that was fun for my best boy that was oliver Mm, that was a good time and we made a cake for him and his puppy friends yes it was a good time you did and you i I made you guys chicken you made chicken you barbecued and then uh we you also decorated oh yeah angel fruit food cake with uh with fruit on it. Stuff. Strawberries and fucking blueberries. It was dope. delicious. Yeah. Okay. Delicious. And then we gave, uh, we talked about what we were grateful. It was like, what was the name of it? Beltane? Yeah. It was Beltane. Did some yeah. I don't know shit. if that's how to pronounce it, but yeah. How do you, I don't know how, I've seen it okay. uh, written out a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I say Beltane, but that's yeah, probably like Arkansas, Beltane. like Beltane. We did. We uh, wrote down some intentions and we burned them in a fire. Yeah. Because that's what we do with our intentions. We we cast them into put the them into the ether. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Gosh. <laughs> so All how right. was your week? Uh, pretty good. You've been. Uh, you had a vacation. Staycation. I had. So I took some time off and spent a lot of time in the kitchen, uh, working on some perfecting some rye bread. Uh, made. Oh, I want some butter on it. A little bit of pizza and uh, made some more croissants. Yeah. Oh, they were so good. Do you have any leftovers? I have two croissants left. We'll see. After <laughs> we'll see. Depends on if you can sit still during the podcast. Oh, I really can. <laughs> I know. I keep hearing the back of the chair move, and I'm like, uh. It's fine. Okay. Um, all right. So we're talking about therapy today. Therapy. And just basically, if there's anybody out there who's listening who maybe feels like they might be able to benefit from therapy, or if they have questions about therapy, um, I'm going to be assuming that role. In yeah, this there's, podcast. yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Therapy is right. a broad subject. We're not going to talk about everything today, but we'll try to talk about what we can. Right. But the first question I have would be, what would be some common misconceptions people might have about therapy in general? And I know that you kind of went into the manosphere a bit uh, to ask why maybe men wouldn't in particular wouldn't yeah. seek therapy. Okay, so we're just get we're just going into it right off the bat. Do so it. go into it. Okay. I wanna be careful here because like um obviously it's a charged subject. Like me- there is a men's mental health crisis um right now. Uh, I don't know how aware of that you are. Um can you expand on that? Like men um complete suicide at a much higher rate. We probably need to put a suicide trigger warning on this episode. Okay. Um mm-hmm. Um, at a alarming rate, and that has gone like that has increased with significance. Um, higher incidence of violence. Higher incidence of violence. Higher incidence of um, like low self esteem, low self worth. Like just they're 
not okay right now. And so I think that men have <clears throat> a bigger barrier to overcome mm -hmm. when it when it comes to accessing therapy because of the our society um, um, criticizes men who are vulnerable and and like. Um, want to talk about their feelings and, like and process we don't their emotions. even teach them the words no a lot of times for their feelings and exactly. so they come to therapy and they're like fix the yeah like, and they don't it, yeah. even know what, how to describe how they feel a lot of the <clears throat> the feedback that i hear and read is um like it's not going to help me to talk about my feelings i need solutions mm -hmm. right and it's like the solution is talking about it yeah so it's like and and more often than women by a significant, statistically significant amount, um, just men have a harder time doing that. So what is the benefit of talking about your feelings? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> oh, I have a really good quote and I can't remember if that's on my So let, Okay, so like um, a lot of times somebody will maybe feel sad or anxious, mm -hmm. um, or or whatever it is, uh, a feeling that's negative, and they feel it, but they aren't able to identify it um, because they are limited in their practice of being able to identify emotions, right? And so, like, if I wake up and maybe two o'clock rolls around, I'm like, oh, I've been really anxious today, right? I maybe I need to go to the gym, or maybe I need to go for a walk, or maybe I need to take some boost bar, whatever. Uh, maybe I need to take a nap. I have identified a feeling, I've attached a need to that feeling, and I am working towards a solution to remedying that feeling. Uh, if you can't identify your feeling, then you can't identify your needs. So what that may look like is like you're going throughout your day and like you're snapping at people and you don't feel good in your stomach mm -hmm. and you can't concentrate and you yeah. don't know why. And you're angry, yeah. So anger is a secondary emotion, right? Um, so what that means is it is an expression of, um, or it can be an expression of a different, more difficult emotion to access, right? Uh, a lot of us have, well, no, everybody is born with a temperament, right? Right. Innate to you, right? Um, and it could have something to do with that. It could have something to do with your family system, et cetera. So if your temperament um, leans more into the irritable or cranky realm, right? Then anger might be an easier emotion to access, sure. even if you're sad. Sure. Or even, yeah, maybe you don't know what to do when you feel sad, Yeah. but you know what to do when you feel angry yes. and you can make that feel better. So instead of being it's like tangible. sad that like somebody like didn't show up for lunch, you're pissed. Yeah. You're like, fuck that person. That okay. And so safer. you show up at a therapist and you're like, I'm pissed because this person didn't show up for lunch. And the therapist might say, Okay, like, let's process that. Are you angry? Tell me what it feels like to be angry. Okay, tell me what this person... sounds like you're sad, right? Sad's not angry. Let's talk about that. Let's break that down. Because we need to identify needs. Okay. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. Okay. So, let me ask you this. <laughs> so, I would assume that both of you have had clients where it was their very first time mm -hmm. in therapy ever. You oh, were yeah. their first therapist. What would you say like that would be a common expectation amongst people who are going into their first therapy session that maybe isn't really 
what they're really going to get out of therapy? Like, do they just expect that you're just going to fix them well, or, or what? Like, So are you asking me what... Yeah, back what, to that okay. common misconception. So okay. like you have first time clients, what would be like a common thread that maybe they're misunderstanding about therapy that we could help anybody who's listening, uh, who maybe has never had a session with a therapist before kind of avoid thinking the going into it. That they are in charge of their therapy. Right. I am a okay. facilitator. Right. And so when somebody shows up to therapy, right, mm -hmm. a lot of times they think that I am the, the boss. Right. And so if I say like, okay, first session, right, here's how first session usually goes. I know whether it's their first session or not because I've already chatted with them via message. Okay. So I might say like, is this your first time in therapy? They might say yes. And then I'll say, okay. And then so the therapy session starts. I'm like, hi, I'm Katie. Uh, go over and form consent. Um, go over like the limits to my confidentiality, all of that. And then I say, okay, so like, this is your first time in therapy. Like what, um, like what are your expectations? Okay. Like how do you imagine this going? Right. And so a lot of times people have this idea, like, um, what they see on TV. Okay. Or in the media, right? And so, um, or I might ask a question, like, we'll, we'll be into the session, and I might say something like, okay, do you have any uh, history of, like, childhood trauma? And what that looks like, or what I'm wa wanting to know from you is, like, um, the type of trauma that might be, like, a before and after event. So, like, everything that happened before that event happened, and then this event happened. and Like then, COVID. Like COVID. Right. Before COVID. Um, and so they... Um, they might think that they have to tell me everything right then. Like, oh, yes, this happened. And then they feel like maybe that expectation is that, that I need them to tell me everything about that trauma. Oh, okay. Right? And, like, that's not true. You don't ever have to tell anybody anything until you're ready. Okay. Right? And so I usually say that. I'll say, you can – it's important that I know that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not important that I know the details right now. If you want to share them, you can. It okay. does give me information because I can hear uh, in their explanation of the thing that happened, like kind of at least enough to know where they're at with it, right? Right. And so I think that um, at the end of the session, I usually say, okay, so how'd it go? Like, how are you feeling? Um, and, and usually uh, they'll say, uh, it's a lot easier than I thought it would be. That's awesome. Like, you're easy to talk to. And I'm like, cool. Is that similar to how you approach... Therapy, yeah. Sarah? Yeah. Okay. Practice. How do you know if therapy is right for you? Hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe a, a question would be, how do you know if, if as particular therapy therapist is right for you? Yeah, or a mo or a, like modality. Oh, yeah. Modality yeah. or a style. Because like therapy, I mean, if you want to do therapy... It's right for you. It's right for you. Right. But like not if you, all Yeah, like right let's you. say you experience like a really traumatic car crash mm -hmm. uh, eight months ago. Um, like maybe EMDR, right? You want to... That's come up a lot lately talk, in yeah. conversations. What exactly is that EMDR? I am not an e I'm not EMDR certified. Nor am um, I. Okay. Nor is Sarah. Can you give us like a nutshell like a explanation of what it is? It is sort of like reprogramming, reorganizing, and recataloging traumatic events in your brain. So that they are in spaces that they are not like uh, at your core and yeah. like... Of it's a way time. to like um, try to reduce the charge. So um, here's a way that maybe you could understand. So like if you um, if you do therapy and you and your therapist go on a walk 
for their okay. like so you walk around a trail there is a part of your brain that is engaged during that physical movement um, and like, there's not like the direct eye contact um, that enables you to process trauma in a different way than you would if you were sitting across from somebody. Okay. Um, and from what I understand, it is similar to that. Okay. Yeah, and it's not hypnosis, but it's similar in that it is about like um, getting yourself into a it's sort of like putting your brain in a state. Yeah, to in a that, in right? a in a altered state. Okay. Right? But you're in control. Yes. So like I kind of feel. Like any, anybody, regardless of their situation in life, could benefit from having like an unbiased third party um, to kind of put things in perspective for them. Yeah, as long as that person wants it, wants right. it, wants and as that. long as the the unbiased perspective knows what they're doing and yeah. isn't a shitty therapist. And unfortunately, that happens sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, there's shitty doctors, there's shitty hairdressers, there's shitty mechanics, Teachers. there's shitty like I mean, and so there are shitty therapists. Yeah. So if someone is looking for a therapist, what should they look for when starting that search? Like, what what would you look for in a therapist? What I have looked at is um, I need something to speak to me about their profile, their picture. Something needs to like make me feel like um, I can connect in some way. Because if It I... also depends on what I'm wanting to process. Fair. If I'm wanting to process, like um, say, like sexual trauma okay. from my past, and that sexual trauma was, um, you know, the, the person was male. Okay. Um, who was the predator. I don't know the right word. The sorry. Perpetrator. Perpetrator. Thank you. Um, then it might be best for me to see a female therapist to process that trauma. Okay. Other people, it might be better for them to get a male th therapist to process that trauma with. It's really important though, that like, um, not necessarily that you, f before you meet them, that you find the right one, but it is important after that first session that if you do not feel like you connected with them and they do not feel like a good fit, you do not have to see them again. Correct. <laughs> do therapists generally take it personally if somebody dis decides after if one I session that they don't want to see some you? Do. If they do, then hmm, they hmm. probably need therapy. They probably need therapy because like, <laughs> that's like- Maybe some rejection sensitivity. Mm -hmm, right, for real. I, uh, like, I have stopped a session mid-session before and been like, this is isn't going to work. With your therapist or with, with a, a client? therapist that I was working with. Not oh. a client. No, I would never do that. Oh my gosh. No, with a therapist. <laughs> I was the client where I was just like, this isn't going to work. And how did they take it? Um, uh, so it was virtual. Okay. And I don't know. Because <laughs> I ended like, the call. call. <laughs> uh, my, well, I, my style is usually to like feign my way through the rest of the session, just like get through fawn. it, fawn, mm -hmm. and then just like not see them again. I've had pretty bad luck with therapists. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I've probably had about six and they've been not great. Sarah, I love how you, you said <laughs> that because that could be applicable to like a shitty first date. <laughs> For real. Just I mean, that's what I would do on a first date too. If I wasn't in danger or like incredible. I have like, a flight response. I'm yeah. like, bye. I'm not. I'm like, I'm running oh. home. Like, I'm, I'm running home from that date. Let's finish this coffee. Yes. <laughs> and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I, please excuse I forgot something I'm in my car. I'm going to give you this fake Google number so you won't bother me anymore. So you mentioned like um, finding a therapist that might fit with a specific type of trauma you're trying to process. Yeah. How how do you go about finding those therapists that meet those specific needs? Like, I mean, just if I'm somebody who's never had therapy before, okay. um, how do you, like, what resources are there to so, determine who specializes in what or 
yeah. those kinds of things. So you could Google, but I would honestly suggest maybe using Chad. Chad yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Like um, saying like um, so like here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what do I? What does my? I'm just looking for a therapist. What do they need to specialize in? Okay. Um, so I specialize in religious trauma. I specialize in working with LGBT people, mostly trans clients who are transitioning and um, people who are neurodivergent. So if you are looking for a therapist and you search those things, um, I'll pop up. Okay. Right? And so if I'm somebody and I'm, like, looking for a therapist and those are important to me, um, and then I get 10 therapists that pop up. And so I'm, like, looking through, right? Um I am going to read their profile. I'm going to look and see how much experience they have. I'm going to look and see, like, um, what, uh, like, how long they've been practicing, um, what their modalities that they use are, what, like, their vibe is. Do they look too stuck up to me? Yeah. Do they look, like, too, like, I'm going to be intimidated to, like, tell them true things? I usually do not. I do not select a therapist who specializes in addiction issues. That's usually not my... I don't really? want to work with a therapist. It's usually, very behavior it's very behavior center. Okay, yeah. so I had I had a question. Okay, so <laughs> when you talk about like looking at different profiles and things like that, um, I would assume you're talking about these like online virtual platforms. Would most therapists like if they had their own website? Would they have that information or should they have that information well, on their own personal websites? Like, let's say I'm looking for someone local that I can go into an office and have like a face-to-face. If they don't, don't go to them. Um, there is a website called Psychology Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is international, maybe? I don't even I know. I don't know. They'll put you on there even if you don't have yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that will, that's just a database of like all the therapists. Right. And so you can just search in like your area, virtual, in-person, what's going on, and and you'll get... Uh, that information. You'll get that information. Okay. And now we are we are presuming too though that we have like free choice in this. Yeah. Like a lot of times we don't. A lot of mm-hmm. times what will happen is you will need to call your insurance company and say, Can you give me a list of therapists? Unless that are you're in private pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they will give you a list and then you can go through them that way. Or call them or get on their websites. Um, yeah. So hopefully you have a choice. Sometimes you will have a facility that you go to that has lots of therapists and you will go there and do an intake mm-hmm. and they will match you with who they think is appropriate. Yeah. Okay. And you don't necessarily get to pick. Yeah. Huh. Depends on your Yeah, like, so when I was working before, uh, and I had, um, uh, got diagnosed with ADHD, I went through my EAP, through work. Right. And I had, no, I had one person <clears throat> that I could choose from to see. And I got six sessions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I went to four. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, um, so <laughs> that's one thing. I'm glad you brought that up because you had brought that up to me. Uh, at some point, we were just talking like your company's EAP. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize we had one. It turned out we did have one. Um, and I know that a couple of the retailers that I worked for before I started with this new company working from home, uh, they also had those EAP programs as well. So if you're if if you're working and you're in a position where you get any kind of benefits at all from your company, uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, yeah. But look into <laughs> You're an seeing, adult. yeah, look into <laughs> seeing if there is an EAP, mm-hmm. and and typically that stands for like what employee assistance program. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so like they yours have... had six free sessions, mine has five. Okay. Um, they'll often some you know depending <clears throat> on the company they'll have like nutrition services, like addiction. They'll specialists. have addiction mm-hmm. specialists. Yeah. They'll have all grief counselors. I think a lot of people's hesitancy there is that um, it feels way too connected to work. 
yeah. uh, and it feels too vulnerable. All licensed clinicians are bound by confidentiality, meaning I'll just go through my spiel. Okay. Um, so like anything that you say to me is confidential, meaning that I cannot share that with anybody. Um, the, the limits to that confidentiality are if you tell me that you have a plan with intent, uh, to harm yourself, mm -hmm. uh, kill yourself. Um, or if you have a plan or intent to kill somebody else. Okay. Or if a child or elderly or vulnerable person is being abused or neglected. Those are the only things that I can report. If That sounds reasonable. If you come to me and tell me that you committed a crime that does not involve murder or like, you know. Like you stole something. Yeah. I cannot, t I. Even murder, if someone's even, already murdered someone, you don't have to tell. You can get subpoenaed. That's true. That's true. But yeah. you don't tell. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's through your, e through your EAP or through your insurance that you're on with your parents or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, if your therapist or licensed clinician breaks confidentiality and those are not the things that they broke it for, report them. If your therapist does anything that is unethical and you can look up their, their guidelines of ethics online, okay. report them. Please, please report them. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we found a therapist, okay? Yes. We've taken your advice, we found a therapist. What should we expect in that first session? You kind of outlined that, but yeah. yeah I think, so in the first, oh, sorry. Go yeah, on. no, I was just gonna say. I mean, like, um, it is scary. I've had lots of first sessions going to see my own therapist, and mm -hmm. it's scary. You don't um, have to be prepared. Mm -mm. They are, especially the first session. They're gonna ask you a bunch of questions. They're gonna want to get to yeah. know you, hopefully. And like, this is best case scenario, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we want to talk about. Like, the, okay. like, like um, worst case scenario. Is like that they don't listen or whatever. Or they don't yeah. ask you questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. talk. We're, we're going to tell you that, they, that you should be prepared. Gotcha. Whatever, gotcha. right? We're going to talk about some negatives here in a second. Right. But, so uh, right. usually, what I do is I I go over the confidentiality, go over informed consent, and then I um I just say like, okay, so I read like what brought what you wrote that brought you in here. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a particular place that you wanted to start, or would you like me to lead? Okay. And like we go from there. Have you ever had sessions with someone who just kind of doesn't say anything at all? Um, like when I say that, they just don't say, they don't. Well, just like, you know, like a whole session where it's even hard just to get that person to kind of when, open up. When or... we've worked with people who weren't voluntarily seeking services, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when I, like if that I have minors, sense. yes, yeah. minors. And, Court order yeah. people, mm -hmm. people whose uh, partner's putting pressure on them. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Typically like clients want to talk and if they're, if they're really nervous or if they're like, um, Say they ha are uh, on the spectrum and um, nonverbal. They have like bouts of being nonverbal. Um, I can usually sense that pretty quick. I might be like, "Is it like? Are you experiencing like difficulty talking right now? Like, are you feeling nonverbal? Is there like? Would you be more comfortable if we like did a chat? Like, I just try to accommodate. Really, yeah. in that first session, my goal is like, okay, I want to find out like what the acuity level is of this client. Are you safe? Are you safe? Um, like, what are the, like, immediate concerns that are bringing you in? And what are the um, secondary concerns? Okay. And, like, if I don't get to all those things, that's fine. We can do it. We'll do it in the second session. I'm not worried about it. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back. Like, I would say if you uh, looked at my sessions compared to probably 100 therapists, like, I'm probably pretty, pretty laid back compared, comparatively. Okay. So I've how, had sessions that are very like 
this is how we're doing this. Mm, gotcha. Like and they're like, reading an intake. Yeah. Yeah. So oh we God. we talked about an instance where you kind of left the chat mm-hmm. in the middle of your very first session when you decided that this therapist wasn't right for you. Mm-hmm. How long should you give a therapist before you decide whether or not they're a good fit? I mean, would you suggest right in that first session or maybe completing the first session and thinking about it for a while? It depends on how strong the feeling is. So like I am, oh sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, like I've been practicing therapy for a really long time. And so I feel like I have a pretty good idea Mm -hmm. of um, what's going to work and what's not for me. And so if right off the bat, like I'm hearing something or seeing something that is not going to jive, like if they are using language uh, that is faith-based. Oh, bye. yeah. Bye. Yeah. Like, there's no point. Cross on the wall? Yeah. If there's, if they um, ask me if I've tried praying on it, whatever. I'm done. It's over. Like, if I, if they ask me if I use marijuana and I say yes, and then they ask me how much, and I say how much, and I say that's not a concern of mine, and they continue to try to talk about it, bye. Okay. I'm not here for that. Okay. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to get into some negatives. And this actually involves a little bit of feedback from our audience on Facebook. Uh, The question is, what are some red flags to look out for when seeking a therapist? And we asked some of our listeners, or we asked our audience, and some of them responded. And I'll just kind of go through some of the, the top uh, comments here, uh, telling us she would call CPS if my child self-harmed when we were there for help with self-harm after a hospitalization. Which is not... Is that something that therapists do I a would lot? report is... that therapist. So who would you report that therapist to? Like their what kind governing of governing board body? Or their licensure board. Yeah, because okay. like that's not a reason to call CPS. Mm-mm. Any form of coercion? Any? Even the nice kind? What does that mean? I mean, that's kind of like, you know, to coerce someone, to persuade someone. Like, what if they said to you, like, I won't see you unless you take these oils, essential oils. I've heard of therapists doing that. Like, I've had a lot of clients who have been coerced into talking about trauma they were not going to talk about. Oh, wow. And that that is traumatic. fucked up. (laughs) Yes. When they tell you who you are, like, they know you better than you know yourself in the first session. That's, I don't know what that means. I'm, I I'm think struggling. if they're saying like, like, okay, we do this when we've had clients longer. When you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, like that call, face. Like, yeah, that or like, that's, you know. Yeah. You, but in on the, the first, first session, session, if you're like, no, no that's not right. Oh, yeah. You're no. not that. Red flags. You are not. You don't have ADHD because you're sitting uh, still in your chair. Fuck that, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this one I'm not sure if I agree with because, you know, we should be comfortable to feel our feelings, right? When she starts crying. And you've told me that you've cried in sessions before. I've cried one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if my client knew. That's what I was going to say. Like, I have definitely inside been crying for a client, but yeah. I've never just like, if, but I mean, I don't I, know. Yeah, I mean, here's what? the thing. Like, I've That's worked hard. with, a, I've worked with clients who have significant trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... They pro- like have heard a lot of like really hard things to hear. And when you've been working with somebody for like two years and they open up to you about something like that, like I want to cry now. <laughs> oh, okay. Like it gets emotional. Like yeah, I care yeah. about them and I feel sad. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that should not Therapists happen. aren't infallible. They're human beings. They feel feelings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the important thing, too, is that, like, in those situations, it's about the client. It is. Right. It's yes. not like I'm crying because I'm like, oh, no. the worst day. Yeah, if, like, I cr- if I was crying and a client noticed, 
and said, I would, I would say, you know, what you told me really, like, really hit me, and I, it makes me really sad to know that, like, you had to experience that. And um, on the flip side, move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And on the flip side, being dismissive of traumatic experiences, eye rolling, Ooh, seeming overwhelmed nice. by what I'm sharing, treating me like I'm stupid when I'm overwhelmed. Um, that therapist has burnout. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for real. They need to find a different job. Yeah. Or like take a break. Yeah, take a break. This one I think was a little egregious, and I know we talked about it a little bit. I had one that interrupted me once, and I never went back. <laughs> I would be. I, I'm not a fit for that person. I mean, I... You kind of jump right in. That's kind of your style. I'm I do, yeah. I'm not super an interrupter, but, like, I've had clients say, like, you can interrupt me because I'll just go on and on. Yeah. So, I mean... If I don't... I mean, I interrupt, you know. Yeah. That's what I, I I'm do. the same way. Yeah, yeah. and like so that. if I... And, like, some of the information <clears throat> that I need in that moment feels really important to get to wherever we're going. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if it's, like... If they're, like, unburdening and, like, in a moment, I'm not going to be, like... Hold on. <laughs> what color was your shirt? What color of shirt were you wearing? Nothing like that. But, but. if it's really important to you that you yes. feel heard. Yeah. And like listen to. Yeah. Then maybe that's not a good fit for you. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. No, no I'm not a good fit for a lot of people. Ditto. <laughs> Being too much of a friend. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. And, and this will be the last one I read. And then, because <clears throat> you said you had some stories you wanted to share. Um... I had, and this goes back to the EMDR thing. I had a therapist who did EMDR on me in front of my brother who abused me and my parents. Afterwards, he told my brother to apologize and expected everything to be good. I was too scared to go to therapy for years. My new therapist was appalled when she heard that. I didn't realize that wasn't ethical. If you're listening, report. Yes. Report that that motherfucker. You don't do trauma work with other people. You Even, don't do EMDR yeah. on somebody with other people present without their consent. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, That's fucked all up. Right on. Uh, all the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Report. So, so what are some red flags for you for a therapist? <sighs> as a therapist? Um, well, things I look for, would, like tells I look for, would be like, I'm looking for something that makes me know they're friendly. I'm looking for... Colorful hair. I'm looking for a rainbow somewhere. I'm looking for mm-hmm. some pink. Like, I need yeah. something that shows me, like, Language a that tells me, yeah. yeah. Language that, like, asking me my pronouns. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank, thank goodness. Their pronouns listed. Yeah. Oh, there was one. Speaking of, of that, we had someone write in and said that this was a, a younger person that someone, they think someone they went to school with was trans, and their therapist responded with, oh, yeah, that's pretty popular lately. Mm. Yeah. Like, that seems a little dismissive. That's pretty dismissive. (sighs) That's not a good match for that person. No. I had a therapist that I worked with for, like, six months. And, um, like, she knew what I specialized in. Mm -hmm. We were working together for a while. She knew where I worked. Um, And my daughter got lice. And she was in kindergarten. And she had hair all the way down her back, ringlets, red hair. Mm -hmm. And it took, you remember, it was a nightmare. And so I went to therapy one day after I had for like three hours sat in the front yard pulling knits from my daughter's hair. And I was talking about it and I said, she just watched YouTube the whole time, you know? And my therapist said, um, oh yeah, my kid watches a lot of YouTube. She watches this one person that looks like a dyke. Oh. And I was like, what? The D word. Uh, Fuck. Like, what did you just say? That was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it felt like a loss. I was like, I 
worked with this person for six months. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just like, have you never not listened in the mo in that? At that time, I was working in marketing and I was um, doing a workshop where I had written a policy that um, all staff and patients be only referred to by their, their chosen pronouns and name um, and not doing so would result in consequences. Disciplinary right. action. Yeah, and was talking through that and processing that. And so I was like, what? With this therapist. With this therapist. So, and... Yeah. Did you tell this therapist why you're quitting and because of that? Be like, because you said this? Uh, like, she said it in like the last few minutes of our session. Mm -hmm. And I got up and I just never went back and never responded to oh, her. Oh, wow. Um, I had another therapist that I was working with. And like the first few sessions told me that they didn't think that I had ADHD. They thought it was trauma and that I need to go off my ADHD meds. And I did. And then about a year later, I went back to them. Mm -hmm. And I'd been off my meds and they were like, um, do you think you might have ADHD? I think you might get, what? yeah. Yeah. Like <clears throat> what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had wow. some shitty, I, I think a lot of times <clears throat> too, um, kind of going back to the comment about like therapists being like trying to be too much of a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a therapist not that long ago who every session was just like asking me about how I did therapy. Like, kind really? of felt like I was mentoring them. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. And I was just like, what the fuck? So that stopped. I mean, yeah, therapy's hard. It's hard to find a good fit in the same way that it's like, it's really hard to find a good partner. Yeah. And like... You have to have coffee you with you. There has to be respect. There has to be mutual trust. There has to be all of these things. And so like... It's and hard. boundaries. Yeah. And, <laughs> and respect boundaries. of those things. Yes, yeah. Uh, throwback to the last episode. Um... All right. So what should you do? <clears throat> so I'm in therapy. I don't feel comfortable opening up to my therapist. What should I do if I don't feel comfortable opening up? Is this something that just takes time or should I try and find somebody else? Like, talk to them about it. Talk like, to them about and it. And that's a good point too yes. that we've been talking about with this like um, with switching therapists is like there are times in which it can be valuable to have a discussion and mm -hmm. say that made me uncomfortable or like I don't feel like I didn't like that or whatever. Like that is healthy and therapists can do that. Yeah. But there is a limit. Like there's a line. You know, like, I'm not going to entertain somebody using discriminatory language in a session no. with a therapist using that with me as a client. Yeah, that doesn't warrant discussion. No. But there are some things that do. Like, yeah. Like, you seem distracted, and I feel like you're not listening to me. Mm -hmm. That's a perfectly appropriate. Okay. I've had clients, <clears throat> like, uh, bring stuff like that to me. Yeah, or say, like, um, it, you know, when I message you, like, it, you take a long time to message you back. And, like, mm -hmm. it feels like you don't really, like, care. Or, like, yeah. you're not, like... Uh, so it doesn't feel very professional. I'm or like, like well, if I've canceled a session, they've yeah. been like, um, like I really needed that and I felt really abandoned by you. Yeah. And it's wow. like, that's hard to hear, but it's like fair. Yeah. Like also I'm a person. Yeah. yeah. And like I have a life. And like I <clears> saw a TikTok the other day and it was like um, uh, somebody who was like, sometimes I forget that like when I leave my therapist's office that like they're a human being that's like, has a life. It's like, like, oh, like I saw a therapist at the grocery yeah. store. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was gonna say it's like when you when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. yeah. There are times when I get a phone call like five minutes before a session from the kid's nurse. Like you gotta come get your kid. Or where I'm having a really bad mental health day and it's like I cannot do it. Yeah. I can't work. Therapists are people too, everyone. Um, all right, so what are some things that I can do as a client to get the most or make the most out of my therapy session? 
Um, something I suggest, uh, when people ask me that is, um, like if you can jot some things down during the week so that you'll like remember in session, cause sometimes it's hard to pull those things up. Um, if you jot down any like, uh, reflection you had, like during the week, something came up, mm -hmm. jot that down. That's worthwhile talking about. Um, what were you going to say? Um, like I would just say like, have a really clear, like have really clear intent. Um, like before you start and before you spend money on therapy and like go through the process of like finding a therapist to, to really kind of lay out, like, what is it that you're wanting to get from it? Like, like, what is it that you feel like you are lacking now that you need? Or what do you feel like? Like if you see yeah. a therapist for a year at the end, it, and it's worked and mm -hmm. it's a year later, what does it look like? What's different? Yeah. I have clients who need me to like, um, at least every like month or so really from from the beginning of our sessions together to where we're at right now kind of go through and go this is where you were yeah. this is what we did this is what we processed this is what you tried this is and like really lay out for them like step by step where they were and where they are okay. and like the progress that they've made and like all the things that have happened since right it's hard to see in real time yes. you with yourself every day and sometimes yeah just saying like like, I know that that was really hard, but what would you have done six months ago? Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Yes. Like during the pandemic, that was a huge thing where people um, would, their expectations of themselves would be so skewed from the reality. And so, so often both Sarah and I would be like, we are in a global pandemic. Millions of people are dying. Like, you're displaced from, you know, like, all of these things. And people would be like, oh, fuck. Like, I, yeah. Shit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. They kind of forget yeah. the situation. And it's like, the right. last three yeah. years have been really hard. And, like, we will see the results. We, we are. See, yeah. I mean, every single person that was alive and is still alive three years ago and is still alive today went through a traumatic event together. And mm -hmm. we will have trauma responses and we will have PTSD from that as a collective. So how do we, as a collective, heal from that? <laughs> I mean, I know, I know that's, yeah. that's a rough question. Yeah, be um, honest with ourselves about what we fucking went through, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> what should I do if I feel that therapy isn't helping? Talk to your therapist Talk to your about therapist it. about it, yeah. I've, ha yeah. I, I've had so many clients say, mm -hmm. I don't think this is working. I don't think this is helping. Or I don't understand what we're doing. Yeah. That's okay. And okay. that's all right. It's been yeah. a while, actually. Since yeah, I, I was thinking that, that too. Weird. I was trying to think of it. I was example, like, oh, but... gosh, yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of times with those, with those uh, clients, it's like, um, I think that they really do have the impression going in that, like, if you go to therapy every week, there will be progress indiscriminate of what you're doing outside of therapy mm -hmm. or, like, what you're actually doing in therapy. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, this isn't working. And it's like, well, yeah, because, like, We've spent five sessions, like, talking about, like, you know, Work, the, the and we coworker about that, your spouse eats, that you hate Yeah, that heats up fish yeah. in the microwave. Like, right. like that's not going to... Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, a lot of times, like, that happens, and that, like, creates a space where we can kind of delve into some deeper stuff and a lot of times that happens and that's then I then I say like maybe this is something you come back to later okay uh, I have two more questions for you uh, the first one is what are some ways to cope with the stigma around therapy I know we talk about having there's a mental health crisis right now for men and a lot of the 
things that we've heard and even from me talking to to men in my life about, you know, me going to therapy yeah. and, and the way I've benefited from it. Oh, I'm an Irish Catholic. You know, the bar is my therapy. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've had friends of the mine say therapy. that yeah. to yeah. me. And yeah. the, sure. so, like, how do we how do we cope with that? Like, how do we? I think you put one of your fingers on each hand up. Fuck y'all. Say fuck y'all. So when I worked at the psych hospital that I worked at mm -hmm. with Sarah, um, I had a psychiatry appointment, and I was in the office with probably ten licensed clinical professionals. And I stood up and I was like, all right, I got to go to my psychiatrist appointment. You could have heard a fucking pin drop. People were like avoiding eye contact. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? The fuck is going on here, people? Like, so the stigma is, if you think about it, the stigma is that there are people who would hear you say that you're going to therapy and then they feel things that they mm -hmm. can't identify. And then they have needs that they can't get met because they can't identify the feelings. And in that reaction, they're like, oh, I'm glad I don't need that. <laughs> you sure about that's, that? <laughs> that's the stigma. Yeah. Is that it's a bunch of fucking people that desperately need therapy that feel like if they just say that they don't or if they bully people who do uh, are open about it or whatever, that like that'll make them feel better, that, that'll make it true. And mm -hmm. like, the fact is, is that like, whether it's because like you are experiencing like adjustment disorder from like a transition from going from high school to college, or because your f mom died in a tragic accident, like community and um, feeling heard and validated and listened to and seen is, val I mean, there's value in that, period. <laughs> Last question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, last question. How can you encourage a friend or family member to seek therapy if you think they might benefit from it? I think um, that's, that's hard. It's hard. You're that's not going to really ever hard. talk anybody no, you're into not. going to therapy. You're not. I think what I would say compassionately to a friend or family member is like, hey, I've noticed these things. You know, I'm worried about you. Um, I know this is really hard, but I think this would help you if you want if you have any questions or need help, yeah. like finding it or something, like I, you know, offer it. Sarah like that. and I have both told each other before, like, hey, I think you probably maybe need to go yeah, and talk yeah. to somebody or whatever. I've told you that. Yeah. I, like people have told me that, and it's like, um, I usually just say like, this is coming from a place of like care yeah. and compassion, and like I just like I just want you to be able to like feel, you know, the things that uh, there's a barrier to feeling because of these things that you're going through or whatever, you know, like. Like you don't have to suffer. You don't have to do this the hard way. Mm -hmm. There's assistance. Yeah. And this is one way that might help. Yeah. Uh, another <laughs> question just popped up in, into my head that I wanted to ask you, um, you know, going back to the stigma thing. And then if we're talking about friends and family, do you think there is an urge for parents when they find out that their child is starting therapy to maybe try to dissuade them from doing so because they might be afraid that they are going to get blamed for some of Something those issues. Something I hear from clients a lot, and I've heard from family even, is, oh, you talking about me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, you, what, you, what talking you talking about? about me? You talking about me today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about how much I messed up your life? <sighs> and it's like, most of the time people who say that, like, they're defensive for a reason. Yeah. Like what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that um, a lot of times what happens is, and because there's a stigma, and because, like, um, 
a lot of reasons. Uh, like it's hard to access or like there's waitlists or uh, you don't have the money to or whatever, right? Um, there's a lot of barriers mm-hmm. to getting therapy. Uh, and a lot of times by the time we get there, it's all, it's like feels like it's already crisis, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if you are getting your kid to therapy and like taking your kid to therapy, right? If they're a child, right? It's like, it's, it's like our, there's already probably been an intervention. Somebody's brought it to your attention, whether it's your kid or the school or whatever, right? Kind of like with couples, mm-hmm. right? It's like by the time you get into therapy, it's like breakup counseling. Yeah. I mean, I, I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. And, and I was the one who suggested therapy and I actually found a therapist before I even had brought it up to my now ex-wife. What was it? Like, I guess, like, had you been to therapy before that? No. I what had never been to therapy. What was it that, like... How did you know therapy? Yeah. Not, like, well, what her, the behaviors with you two were, but, like, what made you think... Oh, well, we I mean, I made a commitment yeah. to well, a yeah, person, I mean, and, and I thought that there were some issues there, and it happened, uh, you know, without getting into a lot of detail, yeah. but, you know, there were some issues that kind of popped up very early on, into our first year mm-hmm. of marriage, um, that it didn't seem like just talking about it amongst each other was Were you like resolving. watching or listening to a podcast or something no. where it was like there were ads? or No. Like, and you, so okay. I was just like, you know, maybe we should try counseling. And so I called around and talked to some people and then I found one that, that I liked that I thought my wife That's would, would like. And yeah. then I yeah. brought it up to her and I said, hey, would, is this something you would consider doing? And she said yes, and we did, and that ended up leading her into getting a PTSD diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ended up having her in, in therapy uh, for more sessions than both of us. Yeah. Uh, so, like, something, you know, good came out of it to where she's able to kind of process some things that maybe she didn't realize did you prepare, were there. Like, did you, like, um, do research and, like, watch videos and stuff before beforehand? Or no, like, I didn't. I just I just really Googled rare. therapists in my area and, and yeah. sent out <clears> some <throat> messages, and, and a few people uh, didn't respond at all. And then, but the one that called me back that actually spent, like, a good 15, 20 minutes talking to me on the phone, uh, that's the one we ended up going with. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, uh, my wife is still seeing, or ex-wife is still seeing her, yeah. as far as I know. It's um, it's very rare that I work with a couple mm-hmm. who one of them hasn't been in therapy and initiated. Really? Yeah. Like that, especially like the male partner. Right. I don't mean to stereotype, but like no, it fine. is really rare. Um, did you feel like going in, were you hopeful? I was. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about her. I, th- I believe that she learned a lot about herself. Yeah. Um, you know, and uncovered some trauma and things. And, and it, it was really beneficial to have like that third party kind of put things in perspective. It helped, like I said, it helped me help us understand each other. But I think ultimately in the end, we understood yeah. that, you know, it really wasn't going to work out for the two of us. I love doing couples therapy, but it is draining. Uh, if I could have a practice where I did like two sessions a day of couples therapy mm-hmm. uh, and could like sustain, I would love that. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm, like you are. it's well, we got a voice message oh, sorry, about sorry. <laughs> a question about therapy. And we're we're gonna play it. I'm sorry, Katie. Um, uh, this is from a listener in Egypt, and she uh, has. Uh, I, I took some notes as well. So. This is a uh, listener question for therapy, and you can leave us a voicemail. You can send us a voice message on Facebook. Let's try and keep it, you know, a minute and a half. Um, 
or you can even click the link in the episode description to leave us a voicemail through Spotify for podcasters. But uh, we're going to go ahead and play this message real quick and uh, we'll respond to it. Hello, uh, Neurodetergent team. I really admire what you're doing and actually your podcast now is my favorite podcast. I have a question about therapy because uh, I am uh, from Egypt and um, uh, I have a, 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 a really good therapist, um, but uh, she, um, I refuse to take, I have ADHD and I refuse to take the medicine, um, so um, she tried to uh, like um, um, try uh, to do like a uh, um, um, a behavioral uh, therapy with me so she asked me to um, uh, fix uh, one little routine uh, during uh, 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 every I have to do it every day but I'm not able to do it actually so I, 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 I found out that it's, it doesn't suit me um, uh, like my routine, it can be different every day. So may, maybe one day I, I want to wake up and, and draw. One day I just want to wake up and write. And another day I want to I wanna just not do anything. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it's... it's I, I don't know. So what, what do you think about this kind of behavioral um, therapy? Uh, what do you think? Okay, so, um, oh, oh my gosh, Hello. pause. Ah. <laughs> um, and then uh, we got a follow-up message, and it was a, a picture called Shifting Focus um, to where instead of dwelling on the past or the future, you um, focus more on the present, right? And then she goes on to say, um, feels like it might be much easier for neurodivergent people to learn how to focus on the present moment. Um, and they'll be much more efficient regarding memory issues. Um, and maybe it is part of the evolution process that the world needs more spontaneous, creative, and in the moment people, which I agree. I think the world definitely needs more creative and spontaneous people. Uh, but to kind of summarize, um, this listener has been diagnosed with ADHD, um, does not want to take medication for it. The therapist has is trying some behavioral uh, therapy, uh, where they have asked this person to change one one thing out of their routine and implement that every day, but the listener is struggling to do that and um, ends up kind of, you know, today I want to do this, today I want to do this. Um, and what do you think about this kind of like behavioral therapy? So I think that, um, you know, there are multiple ways to treat these kinds of issues, right? Medication's a way um, behavioral therapies away, and that there's also other ways. And like those ways, uh, are not acceptable to you or not working for you. Then a better way might be like you're kind of describing is shifting focus into things like what are my strengths? How can I work around these challenges that I have instead of trying to fit into the mold that you can't try to like morph the mold into you? Yeah, I would, I would probably like say, well, Obviously, information's lacking. I, sure. I'm really curious um, if if the routine change, whatever the routine change was, if that was something that the listener chose, or mm. if that was something the therapist chose for them. Oh, okay. Right. So if it's like, do if the therapist says, okay, we're gonna do this, implement this thing, and then they say the thing, um, then like that's right off the bat. It's like 
probably need to be reframed. So if, if it's like maybe um, whatever the routine is, um, the thing selected that you're supposed to be doing is not gonna work, but maybe you change something else about it, right? So reframe it. And so if, so maybe then do um, uh, like where you decide what to do after you go, like brush your teeth. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like so it's you like, need, uh, if you can, it's, it helps a lot of people if they are the ones coming, like yes. helping with spe specific right. <clears throat> because you have more buy-in and you're more invested if right. you're interested. In so it. if I say to Sarah, if I'm going to Sarah as a, as a therapist and, and I say, these are, this is what's going on. I have ADHD. I don't want to take meds. And Sarah says, okay, we're going to try some behavioral stuff. So every day when you wake up, in the morning, um, I want you to go outside and walk a mile. And that's what we're going to do to like change your routine or whatever, implement a routine, right? Like I would say, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, something. I would say, okay, thank you. Right. Not come back. A better way of doing that would be like, describe to me your morning route. Like, what do you do when you get up? And so mm -hmm. she might say, okay, well, sometimes I wake up at this time. Sometimes I wake up at this time. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you get up? Right? So say that person goes, I get up and I get a drink of water. Okay. So the thing I'm going to implement then is after you get your drink of water, right? Uh, I want you to then decide what your thing is that you're going to do. Right. So don't wait till after you have lunch. Don't wait till this. Like if you, if sometimes you want to paint, sometimes you want to read, sometimes you want to do this, like sh decide that after the drink of water. That's something that's like changing the routine, but mm -hmm. it's not changing their routine. Right. There's still all the things that they do. So that would be one way of working on it, right? Okay. That's what I would probably do. Um, you are not going to be able to work with somebody who has ADHD um, if it's severe and, like, it's limiting, like, in the way that I have ADHD by telling somebody what to do instead. Right. If they say, get a planner, <laughs> read this book, <laughs> uh, write down five affirmations a day. That's not going to work for me under any circumstances ever. Yeah, it's difficult. It is so, difficult. So, like, it would only serve to harm me to, to, like, keep trying to do that and fail. All right. Well, um, so that's really going to do it as far as our therapy discussion. So hopefully yeah. if you've listened, you've uh, learned some things. If you have any questions about therapy that maybe we didn't cover, you can always email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. You can shoot us a message on Facebook or leave us a voice message through the link in the episode description. Uh, but we're going to end on a lighter note. Um, and so we're going to talk about, like, I'm here for it. Like, what are you here for yes. right now, Katie? Um, so two things. Okay. Uh, so Sarah and I are going on vacation. Yay! For 10 days. And then when we come back, we are going to be sharing a... Combined household. Combined household. Um, so I am moving house and going to be moving in with her. And t so last night we like uh, went to my house and got all my art stuff and all my like art on my walls. And so last night. Which was like, a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've and, seen it. Yeah. And so uh, we just took a bunch of time to like hang pictures and like um, organize and stuff. And that was like. I was here for it. It was therapeutic. I was, yeah, but I am paying for it today. I'm sore. I'm tired. I didn't sleep enough. Um, and then I saw a post. So I posted something on Facebook to the neurodetergent page mm -hmm. about um, the representative. I don't know enough information right Zoe? now. Zoe? Yes. 
um, like got engaged to her partner, and oh. I and watched, we had posted a video. From yes, her and I as well. watched the engagement video, and I mean, I'm t like, it was just like I was here for it. I was, I'm still. I cried. I cried. Aww. I love it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. What are you here for, Sarah? I mean, I feel like Katie took mine. Like you could have said one, and I could have the other. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm super excited about vacation. I'm super oh. excited to be Manatees. moving in together. I'm super excited for like the summer. Yeah. Awesome. You know what I'm here for? Yes. Being a grown ass adult. Uh, what? I, I met <laughs> I met a friend uh, last night downtown for a drink, and uh, as as we parted ways and I'm walking back to my car. Uh, these two young men like passed me on the like sidewalk. 20s. Couldn't like have been, 12? couldn't <laughs> have been, couldn't have been much older than 21. Okay. Oh, um, babies. And one of them said to me, we're going to go get fucked up tonight, sir. <laughs> and I was like, well, you boys have fun. <laughs> and it just felt like this Aww. really wholesome moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, you know, I felt, <laughs> I felt like I felt respected Aww. because they called me sir. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if maybe that's not your kind of way of showing respect to other people, you know, it, it made me feel good. But also I felt like, like they saw me as somebody who they wanted to share that yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. You weren't like <laughs> just well. like this older guy that they yeah. were calling sir. Like they were like also like we're getting fucked. Yeah, they were cool like dude, we're getting fucked that. up, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> they didn't think you were And I'm up. like, hell yeah, go get fucked up. Have right? fun. Be careful. You know, be safe. Whatever. <laughs> but, <Aww>. <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> like, all that. Give him okay. a quarter for the phone. No. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> so there was these things called payphones that oh, existed. Oh, But yeah, that was just such a. A nice little kind of pin on my. Uh, there was a weekend. last time that we all used a payphone, and I don't. Know I have no was. idea. It had to have been here in, in town. Oh, I know my. Way back in the day. Dear. Yeah, we had a house fire, and our house phone wasn't working, and we had to walk down the streets to the payphone. I oh, think my, I know mine. It was in two thousand seven. So this is when I lived downtown. She didn't have a cell phone. She had I, to use the yeah. payphone when her house burned. This was. This is when I lived downtown. <laughs> I I didn't have a cell phone either. And you I had was a house burn now? no, uh, oh. I was dating a girl and I wanted to call her and she didn't have a cell phone. She just had a home phone or I want to leave her a message or something on her answering machine or something. And I remember riding my bike down to a payphone and then getting pulled over by a cop on my bike because I didn't, because it was dark and I didn't have a headlight. Oh, oh I didn't know you had to. Yeah. You probably should though. Yeah. I knew somebody <laughs> that got a DUI on their bike. I know somebody oh, yeah. did too. You can. Yeah. yeah. And. In, in our in our municipality, just so you know, and we'll we'll leave you with this: it is illegal to ride your bicycle on the sidewalk in a business district. Oh, I know. I've had people throw things at me yeah. while I'm riding on the street, and they're like, "Get on the fucking sidewalk!" And I'm like, "It's against the fucking law." Yeah. The sidewalk. Throw like a giant like orange soda. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. That's assault. Up, right? You were assaulted. That's fucked up. Oh, I know. Maybe you should talk to You're someone orange. about that. <laughs> Oh, I don't All know right. what good that would do. <laughs> <laughs> the gym is my therapy. Oh, but on that note, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and you. to the one who left us our voicemail, um, it means a lot to us to hear that we're yes, your favorite thank podcast. You so much. Uh, that that you know, it's really sweet. If we're making a difference with one person, then it's all worth it, right? Yes. All right, everybody, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. -bye.